welcome to the Sharing Power Podcast, a production of Flux Theater Ensemble, where we explore what it means to lead together. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Seng. I use they, them, and ta pronouns. I am a Chinese-American non-binary person with a wavy slash curly shoulder-length black hair, glasses, and a fuzzy pastel sweater that I crocheted myself. And I am calling in from the Piscataway Banahoek lands, colonially known as Potomac, Maryland. I'm Corinna Schuneberg. I use she, her pronouns. I am a middle-aged white trans woman with long strawberry blonde brownish hair. And I am wearing a bluish grayish patterned t-shirt and glasses. And I am sitting at a desk where my daughter's art is behind me. And I'm joining from the lands of the Muncie, Lenape, and Canarsie, colonially known as Forest Hills. I'm Lori Parquet, she, her pronouns. And I am a Black woman with chocolate skin and shoulder-length locks. I'm wearing a yellow mock neck shirt with brass and jeweled earrings that are gifted from my mother. And I'm calling in from the land of the Homa and Choctaw, colonially known as Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So today, the role that we'll be playing is lead facilitator will be myself, Jason. Our lead responder will be Corinna. And our lead listener will be Lori. And that brings us to our guests, Groundwater Arts. So today we have Tara Moses and Annalisa Diaz. I was wondering if you could both introduce yourselves. Yeah, thank you. So he's streaming Stone Girl with Tara Kudos. So hello, everyone. My name is Tara Moses. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm calling in from the land of Narragansett, or what is colonially known as Providence, Rhode Island. For a visual description, I have very long, very dark brown, currently wet hair. It takes a very long time to dry. (laughs) Anyway, we're not wearing makeup today. So you can see the natural light brown skin. I'm a native femme. I also have this like maroony purple fluffy cardigan on in a color coordinated little shirt underneath. You know, that's the vibes today. Thank you, Tara. And- Hi, I'm Annalisa Diaz. I use she, her pronouns. And for a visual description, I'm a brown skinned woman with also long, dark black hair that's currently straight today. And <laughs> I'm wearing some black frame glasses. I've got my headphones in. I'm wearing a little brown scarf. And I'm sitting in front of I'm sitting in my office and there's some artwork on the walls that says, stay kind, stay brave, stay angry. And there's a yellow couch. <laughs> and I'm calling from Piscataway land in Baltimore, Maryland, where the land and water has also been cared for by the Lumbee, Lenape, Susquehannock, and many indigenous nations who are still here in Baltimore today. Thank you so much, Annalisa, for that introduction. So we're talking to Groundwater Arts. So a little bit about them. Groundwater Arts is a citizen artist collaborative with decades of shared experience in cultural producing. They shape, steward, and seed a just future through creative practice, consultation, and community building. And what they mean by just is that they view climate justice, racial justice, economic justice, and a decolonized future as all being of equal value. So... One of the things in our practice at uh, Flux is that we start every meeting with uh, a check-in. And that is just, you know, a way to kind of allow us to enter the space with a lot of grace and a lot of shared context. So our check-in for this morning 
is what is bringing you joy right now? And I can model that. So what is bringing me joy right now is, you can't see this on my screen, but I'm in the home of my in-laws in Toronto, also Mississauga land. But there are these like lucky cats, you know, with like automated, you know, thingies. I don't know how they, why they have these, but it is, it is tickling me pink. So who else would like to go? Lori? What's bringing me joy today? I, you know, this is real small, but I was eating strawberries whole this morning, green tops and all. And there was something Mm. really nice about like not discarding a part of a beautiful thing because it's supposed to not be a part of the beautiful thing when it's a part of the beautiful thing. That's my joy. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a delicious joy. Corinna. I know. I love that so much because uh, Heather, my wife, like critiques how I don't use all of the strawberry. So now I'm getting this call in from two directions and I think I just have to change my behavior. What is giving me joy is I have changed my Zoom layout to have some artwork from my daughter present. It is this donut drawing that she did that I really love. And every time, you know, looking at my face sometimes is a positive experience. Sometimes it isn't. But now there is this donut art that is next to my face, which always makes me happy. And that's what's giving me joy. Similarly, something small that's bringing me joy is he like hot neon pink nails. Yes. You know, maybe I was influenced by the Barbie movie. Maybe I'm influenced because it's spring anyway. But it is the season of neon bright nails. So I'm excited to work through the bright ass rainbow. I'm so glad you said that because I've been waiting to tell you the fingernails are popping. But natural nails too. Like I be growing it. Anyway, I'm also happy about that. Annalisa. I okay, the thing that's giving me a joy right now is that I'm sitting in my office and the sun is just like the sunlight right now is really good and I can like feel the warmth on my skin and that is really lovely. I, it wasn't always that I had an office that had this like beautiful setup and had a window and I don't take that for granted. So that's bringing me joy right now. Wonderful. Awesome. So yeah, let's talk, get into it. So groundwater arts, like I would love to hear a little bit about how y'all got started. What's the origin story of, of groundwater arts? And if we might go deeper, how did you kind of come to kind of consent-based decision-making or distributed leadership, because oftentimes those, the decision to do that comes as a response to other experiences. Is that layered enough? (laughs) That really got me. That really got me. But okay, before we get to the thing that got me, should we do the origin story a bit, Tara? Do you want to, do you want me to try to take a swing at that? Okay. So circa 2017, I was bebopping around the American theater, like organizing spaces. And there around that time, like 2016, 2017, there I would like I was personally noticing that there were conversations and organizing spaces set up around racial justice. And like I was going to a lot of spaces that were about various movements for racial justice within the American theater. And then like separately. But at the same time, there was another group of conversations happening that I was also interested in and like attending myself and helping to organize myself around the climate crisis. 
And I was like, why are these two, why are these two spaces separate? I don't understand. Like, don't you see that this is the same problem? And turns out that people actually weren't connecting the dots between the movement for racial justice and the uh, like imperative to act on the climate crisis. And around that time was when I met Tara and I had already, like, right, 2017, 18? Yeah, because we started in 2018. So we must have met sometime before that. My recollection is that I didn't really know y'all. And then I got an email. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> A lot of That's times. Really funny. <laughs> well, around that time, I had been, I had already been working with Anna Lathrop and Ronnie Pinoy on various projects. And those are the two other co-founders of Groundwater Arts. And we were sort of talking amongst ourselves about like, why don't we try to do something different? And why don't we try to form something that is addressing this gap that we were all kind of seeing within the field? And then to your point, Jason, about like, try to do something that would work in a bit of a different way than other experiences that we had had. We wanted to sort of form intentionally around collective practices and consent and really sort of pouring into each other. So it must have been then around that time when we were having those initial conversations, Tara, that we like reached out to you. Because I think another thing that was on our mind at the time, so Ronnie is also Native. I am not. My my ancestry is that my dad is from a place on the southwest coast of what is now called India, which is Goa. That's why I have a Portuguese last name. Thanks, colonizers. And so we were really intentional about wanting to make sure that we were, at, at that time, we wanted to be a ha- at least half indigenous. So we were, we were like, Ronnie cannot be the only one. We must have another. And... It must have been around that time, Tara, that we reached out to you to, to just sort of test the waters to be like, hey, we think we're going to do this thing. And we hadn't really started at this point, just to be clear. Like we, we were sort of testing the waters amongst each other to sort of see if there was energy around it. And Tara, that was, I think, when we reached out to you. So maybe I will pause and let you tell your part of the story. Yeah, yeah, I think about this. I don't know. It's, it's so funny because I remember getting that email and I'd be like, I don't know, these people but like, I don't doubt with what they're talking about. I don't know. I also um, am terribly neurodivergent and don't remember a lot of things. So who knows? But I do remember though, in 2016, so the year before, I was in DC and I saw Annalise's play at Signature because also because a good friend of mine was in it. Shout out Ahmad Kamal for all your acting needs. He's very good. Anyway, we were like, after the show, we were in the lobby and I was talking with Ahmad. And he was like, oh, you need to be the playwright. She's here. She's so great. And da, 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 da. Anyway, I saw the back of Annalise's head, but I never went over there because a lot of people were talking to her. Anyway, and then I was going to go over there. She disappeared. Anyway, and so I didn't get to meet you in person. It was quite funny. That was 2018. That's what we about this time. Yes, that was 2018. Was it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know time. time who knows? Anyway. So I guess, yeah, so I guess we might even been in person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, we got that email and I said, I'm down to clown. Cool. Let me meet these people. Anyway, yeah. And then it was great. And then I think like in regards to the, like, you know, how do we move forward? Like in a, like in a very like good and intentional way. We were fortunate before we even did anything. We got a residency at the space at Ryder Farm, on space at Ryder Farm. And during that week, which was whatever I was too busy being traumatized in Georgia. I, 
I kept tuning when I could. Anyway, but it was just really breaking down, like, what were our ways of working? How are our financial models going to work? You know, as divorced from, yeah, this like sort of like very colonial white supremacist way as possible. And yeah, and that was really, really helpful. Because then also after Space Rider Farm, that we were, we were to come together and continue the work. Because like, to me, it felt like, I couldn't if I'm wrong, at least again, because as we have, as I've established, I'm not good at that. <laughs> But I think we spent like six very intentional months, like building up what groundwater would be, the ways of working before, like we like told the people, this is what we're doing. That's what it felt like anyway. And I think that, from my experience, worked really well. It was really nice to have. So then that way, whenever we started getting into the thick of things and we were getting workshops and we were doing things and doing TCG conference stuff, like, you know, we didn't have to like sort of pause and be like, okay, so how are we making decisions? Okay, how are we breaking out? How are we getting paid? Oh, no. Is this still equitable? Because <laughs> we already did all of that before we started. Yeah. And I just think that would be the origin of groundwater. And then it's just taken off from there. Corinna, you have a question. Yeah. I know, and my question is, you know, as, a, as someone who was there at the founding of Flux, but has kind of reshaped my thinking of the definition of like founder and founding to, to a different way of thinking about it. In that, at least in my definition of ensemble, I think our, like every time someone joins or leaves, there is a refounding to a degree because the who is so important that the nature of the work changes and there is something that remains the same and there is something that becomes different. And so I'm curious how the two of you are thinking about like the refounding of Groundwater now after two of your founders have moved back. It, that's actually wow I really thank you for saying that because that's that actually really helps me think about what it is that Tara and I think we're doing right now and it's funny actually that you mentioned this because we just had a conversation Tara is it okay if I say the thing about our little upcoming retreat thing we were just having a conversation on Friday about do, and we're, in which we realize, you know what, I actually think what we need right now is actually to be in person and have a little retreat moment, dedicated time to think about like, how do we like do like replicate some of that space at Rider Farm, like visioning, refound. I really, I really appreciate the language of refounding because, because I think that we've been batting various ideas back and forth for the last six months. And also, like, frankly, Tara and I have been going through some stuff in our non-groundwater lives, and we haven't had the space to, like, really have some intentional conversation about what the next formation of groundwater wants to look like. So I really appreciate the generosity of the, the like, what is a founder and what is the opportunity of refounding in any given configuration or space. Because I think that that is actually kind of where we are right now is a deep moment of, like, refounding. <laughs> of the company and, and the direction and the future. And I, I actually had a follow-up question about, so I know that groundwater like does a lot of different things. And I know that, you know, those could fall into a number of different buckets between, you know, like, you know, generative artistic work, kind of arts consultancy to like, kind of, I don't know how to call it, describe like HR, like, <laughs> like <laughs> assessment. But so I was wondering about like, how do you like, how do you like I guess balance those those different kind of priorities in your practice and like how uh, some of it I'm I'm sure you know uh, is probably contract driven but I I'm curious about like how do you make sure 
every all of those things kind of are serving, you know, what you're trying to do missionally, even like spiritually. Yeah, well, I mean, as Haley's mentioned, right now we are in a refounding period, which is exciting. So I'm sure how we answer that will be very different <laughs> soon. But in the past, you know, I mean, we started very much in sort of the, that consulting tributary for a hot minute, mainly because, like, you know, it takes money to creatively produce. And then we were able to help balance some of that consulting with community organizing through the Breeding Theater, you know, which we got so many lovely artists involved, like Corvina. <laughs> and then we were able to sort of like balance sort of that, like, we have to make money, you know, telling the theaters, you know, don't be racist, please. <laughs> but combined with like actually doing the work that we wanted to see of engaging with people really mean meaningfully around these principles of a green new theater that they can then, you know, use within their communities. And we have wonderful partners, you know, Flux is a partner during our series, our cool series. Anyway, so that felt really nice. And then as the, as time went on, you know, all of us are practicing artists as well. Anyway, and artistic producing had always been like a goal of ours. And so then it was like, okay, how can we make this possible? And so again, we went back to our lovely financial models and it was like, great, a percentage of all income that comes in is going to go into this artistic producing pot. Anyway, and then I think really, oh gosh, like 2021, 2022, we were able to actually do some artistic projects, which was really great, like able to produce readings of, I know some works of Annalisa. We did a very ambitious project in South Dakota last year. Anyway, in person with some readings of my work. Um, anyway, and then as well as like, we did a, like a one day workshop of Annalisa's film that she's been working on, which is really great anyway. And so we've been able to layer in some artistic projects as the years come by. And we have some like wonderful foundation support who's also really ex excited about our artistic work anyway. But yes, I mean, it's just like literally from day one, it's okay. We don't just want to be consultants. You know, we don't just want to do grassroots community organizing. We also want to be artists. And so it's like, what can we do to get to that goal? And yeah, it took a little bit of time, of course, because things unfortunately cost money in this catalytic hellscape. But, but yeah, but it was really nice that we had a lot of just like very frank conversations of, oh, you know what? It feels like we're doing a lot of corporate consulting stuff. Like, what are some community organizing things that we can pick up? Or like, you know, oh, it doesn't feel like we're doing a lot of artistic things. Like, what is some, you know, low stakes you know, artistic projects we can look at? Or what is a big artistic project that we want to build up to? And like, how can we make that happen? Super. And that actually transitions really quickly and nicely into my next question. So you, you mentioned at least a little bit about how, you know, you, you spent a lot of time thinking about like how decisions were going to be made, how financial kind of practices were going to be different at Groundwater. So I'm, I'm curious about like, how does power work differently within Groundwater? versus other places you've experienced it. And and you may or may not know, know the question answer to this question, but like in terms of like how like it might be changing. I will jump in, but Tara, feel free to add. I, I don't know that we know yet enough about this next phase, but I can speak a little bit to like how power has worked and, and what to me feels different or felt different in the like sort of first configuration of the company. And I will say that for the first like 2018 through 2022, if that if we think of that as like the first phase of groundwater arts, 
with the four co-founders sort of all actively sharing in in driving the company the the ways in which trust and and values alignment operated in groundwater was just simply something i had never experienced at any other company whether that was a small arts organization or other grassroots arts like organizing or you know being an art like an artist on a project i had just never experienced that that level of actual values alignment and trust to the extent that like anytime i was feeling even a little bit sticky about some decision that was being made someone else could usually read it and be like what is going on over there annalisa like what are you not saying and then and then like i could say the thing and and, and sort of like vice versa with every it felt to me like with everyone else we could pretty pretty well read each other. We got into a rhythm where we could pretty well read each other. And I would say, like, less and less did we ever have to even feel like we needed to hide. Do you know what I mean? Like, we were just able, I, my experience was that we were able to um, just say the things that were on our mind, even if it was about money, even if it was about, like, I, like, my capacity is at its limit. I need to step back for a moment. And with the configuration of four people, when one person needed to step back for any various reason, that that amount of people, someone else was able to sort of tag in. And I like that is a big question for me, I think, in the next phase. And Tara and I are going to grapple with that in our little retreat moment. Like, how do we in a in this current mo moment, like support one another? Because that I will say that has always been I think I can say this is true. Groundwater to me has always felt like a, an a structure where we were authentically trying to care for one another, even when it got hard. You know what I mean? Like even when people were, everyone was at capacity and like, it, it was really hard to show up for one another. It felt like we were still authentically trying to show up with care and to show up with integrity. And, and that, even that, which is like sad to say, that is not the norm. <laughs> and so, yeah, 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 yeah. That is not the norm. Tara, will you do you, what would you like to add? Please add things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, you know, as the baby of groundwater, <laughs> like never had been in a space where people would be like, I'm at capacity for this thing. I cannot do this. And like immediately the response would be like, okay, cool. Let's do this thing. You know, because like for me, I've always been personally, I was like, okay, cool. I'll do these things. Sure. This is great. Anyway, but like seeing it really modeled and then like active practice of I don't really have the bandwidth for this right now. Anyway, it's still something that like all the time I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can just be like, I'm doing well right now. I ain't got time for it. I, you know, I was, I'm really sorry. It's, I'm going to step back in when I can. Anyway, and then like that being not a problem. Yeah, I think it's something that like I'm still surprised by all the time. And then like I've tried to use it other organizations and other spaces. And then being met very differently, I'm like, oh, oh, what the I see it now. Yeah. So, I mean, I just like second all that Annalisa says and then also said, and also furthermore, too, um, just a really great model of like a practice of, you know, frankly, of accessibility at the end of the day. And, you know, and seeing how so much of this is easily modeled within disability justice communities anyway. And again, just like all justice is good for everyone. Anyway, has been, yeah, something that I've really appreciated and then like have tried to make an effort as someone who is usually a serial does not say no, but needs to say no sometimes person. 
It's <laughs> you know, aren't we all to a degree? We're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> this one I was throwing. Yeah, Karuna, I see you have something to say. I really want to build on what you were sharing, Annalisa, about the relational work of helping each other create boundaries <laughs> and like name needs and how difficult that work is, even in a consent-based group of people, even in a space where like traditional hierarchical structures aren't present. And, you know, I'm thinking about for us at Flex, you know, we've got our check-ins and our check-outs at every meeting. We've Sometimes at retreats, we'll do this, this session called, what are we not talking about? <laughs> we do, we try to have opportunities for people to like write their thoughts. So it's not just the spoken word. And like, we do things where like any major decision, everybody speaks before we even start like talking to each other. So we've heard everybody. And even with all of that, you know, still there are times that people maybe don't share everything that they're feeling or what their needs really are. And it really is like noticing, noticing something, you know, and having a one-on-one check-in and being like, hey, this actually isn't working, right? Like, what, what do you need? And I'm just curious if either of you have thoughts about like the practice end of like how you build systems and structures to make it easier for that to happen. And then like the relational end where you've got like the trust and the emotional intelligence to be able to like really see each other and support each other in that way. Tara, go ahead. You have a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of my thought on it is a little, is a little, it's related, but it's a little different. And then I'll throw it over to you, Annalisa. I mean, because, you know, a lot of it is just like putting in, at least in my experience with groundwater, just like putting in the time to do the thing and then as well as you know you know be brave and just say the thing and it's at the beginning but also something that i'll throw in just from what i'm hearing so for my own self and this is like something that like you know we've talked about through groundwater and it's been like you know totally fine and dandy anyway but like i am also autistic and so when it comes to like oh recognizing people's nonverbal cues i was like let's not be ableist i cannot do that quite literally cannot Anyway, and so a lot of like building sort of this trust within the ground, within groundwater, at least on my end, has been like, hey, friends, I have autism. I, you know, I think people be assuming I know things and I do not, (laughs) you know, or like folks be assuming I'm feeling things and I absolutely am not. Anyway, and so just really like naming that kind of practice of like, you know, frankly, you got to say the thing, you know, especially like for me and our dynamic is you have to say it because I'm not going to know or I'm not going to put the things together. Because I'm like, I don't know, are they sad because they're crying or they've just in their eye? I don't know. If they're sad, they'll tell me, right? Anyway, no, people just don't do that. If only. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, like, I think that's like something that like, right here that is like, it's important is, is that like, you have to communicate and the only way to do so is directly. So again, whether that's verbally, whether that's written, regardless, that there needs to be some sort of direct kind of, sort of communication. And I have personally felt that groundwater we've been pretty good at it over over our time together. Anyway, but yes, yeah, so think about like what are ways to help folks show up and be present, especially for folks who may not want to disclose their disabilities because they don't have to, they don't want to. Anyway, is you just want to say the thing in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> you just got to say the thing. And I found that's worked with us. And then like those moments of times where it's like there was miscommunication, it's the thing wasn't being said. 
How do you also does her time to see the thing? Like it, 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 at least from my experience. Feel free over to you, Annalisa. Yeah, I think that's all right. I'm I'm trying to think of if we have formalized any systems or structures, Corinna, to your point of like what are the practices that we may have put into place. And maybe it's worth naming that we, in case this is useful to anybody. (laughs) So currently, Tara and I have weekly check-ins where we try to do most of the, like, actual work of administration, whether it's responding to emails or whatnot, or, like, pushing forward any projects that we have. That's the sort of current working. In In the previous working model, I think we had, we were having bi-weekly meetings and we were... What we were finding, because a lot of that work in the previous formation happened like during the height of the lockdowns, not all of our work, because we started in 2018. So we had a couple of years before the pandemic started, but quite a lot of the energy and producing and community organizing was happening in 2020 and 2021. And so at one point in time, I can't remember if it was me or if it was someone else, or if it was a combination of all of us just coming to the realization that like what we actually needed for our working structure was to have co-work time. So we, instead of having just like lots of meetings and like everybody has their assignments and they go off and do their assignments, we were like, what if we have fewer meetings, but we do like, they're a little bit longer and we just do the work on a Zoom together. (laughs) Yeah. And we would, if there were things that couldn't happen or that didn't need all four of us to be present, we would assign two people to be like, okay, you two go do this. We two will go do this other thing. And we would, we would make time to do it together so that some of, some of the, like when Tara says you just have to put in the time, some of that informally or formally, I don't know how to describe it. We were putting in the time by doing the work, but doing it together and not in silos, not independently. So that some of that, like, relational work was also happening while we were pushing forward projects and and whatnot. And we were learning how to communicate better with each other and learning different nuances and whatever about how we like to work together and different needs that various different people have. And and like, I don't know, I, I my experience in the first phase of Roundwater was that my relationship with each of the other co-founders, like we worked, I worked differently with Tara than I worked with Ronnie than I worked with Anna. And that was okay. Like, that's good. And that's appropriate. And that like, we were all sort of doing different, we were bringing different life experiences and ways of working to the sort of communal whatnot of groundwater. And that I think it was a really beautiful formation of like energy and lived experience and desires, hopes and dreams. Like it all sort of came together to form something really lovely. Thank you. Quick little tip for any of my fellow neurodivergent girlies out there who are listening. Committee work is the way to go because, you know, I have the combo pack of autism and ADHD, right? Anyway, (laughs) anyway, and so to say having like those dedicated times of like we're working on things together, not siloed, uh, was really helpful for me because like, again, how my brain operates, it cannot do, it cannot do the things. Anyway, if there's a meeting on the calendar, I will do the things because it's there. Anyway, so if there's any folks who are listening, we're just like, I don't know how to get things done. It keeps dropping off. Highly recommend committee work. That is the way to go. Thank you for that hot tip, that pro tip. I definitely, that definitely resonates with me in a lot of ways. I, outside of Flex, I serve on a number of like nonprofit boards. I'm a moderator of a church in New York City. And I've found that oftentimes there's, you know, 
a lot of times when people serve on boards or committees or things, they they want to they want to be a think tank. They want to be consulted. They want to offer ideas, but nobody wants to do the damn thing, right? And so I love the idea of being like, okay, we did enough talking. Now we're going to do the doing. I love that. I'm going to ask my next question out of order from what we have previously prescribed, just because you guys have kind of been talking about it. So I'm curious about, you know, you, you talked about how trust was so foundational to your work together, at least in the initial um, formation of Groundwater. And to me, that that really res that really kind of like circles around a, a, a practice or, or a core value at Flux that we call collective care. And I guess my question is 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 two part. One, like how does collective care manifest in Groundwater? But also, I'm curious about like how do you create that kind of trusting environment that that you know was what that what created the the the, the the system, not systems, but like the the prerequisite kind of soil for groundwater to to bloom from. I mentioned this a bit earlier that Ronnie and Anna and I had been working together in different formations for a long time before we we sort of founded groundwater so I, I knew ronnie from working with the welders and at that point i think we had already started working on a couple ronnie and i had started working on a couple of musical projects together so we were artistic collaborators as well and that work is ongoing and anna and i had co-founded a different organization in dc well before groundwater which was called the dc coalition for theater and social justice and that was more like grassrootsy arts organizing. We were not producing. That was more of the sort of like arts organizing vibe. So some of that relational work for my own self had already like that, I don't know, ground had been tilled. What's the metaphor? <laughs> the soil was fertile. But I, Tara, I don't know how you would, what would you say? Like, is because that's for me, I'm like, oh, it's because I knew folks. And like, like meeting Tara was was such a, I don't know, it was like one of those things where I was like, oh, I see you. Like I see the values alignment and I see the work that you're trying to do. And it's so a lot like it just felt easy. Yeah. I don't know what you would say, Tara. Yeah. Well, for me, maybe, maybe naively, um, but I like to say I'm just more decolonized. Uh, I, I kid, I joke. Anyway, but it's I immediately trust all people of color immediately, just like from day one, boop, immediate trust you know, until proven otherwise. But again, I don't walk around waiting for that time to come. Anyway, and again, I don't got me in trouble before. But again, I like to say, I was like, isn't this the goal that this is the place that we get to? I was like, why are we shitting on me for her to be in there? You know, just to say. It's the thing. And so, yeah, and so to break up that email and I see who's on it. And then also, you know, knowing that Anna is indeed a white woman. Anyway, but also knowing, hey, these two people of color are vouching for her, I was like, I say less, say less, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not worried about it. And so far, that has been so good. And I think pretty solid. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's just how I personally operate through. And again, since we already had a lot of those value alignments, I was just like, this is predominantly people of color. We all have the same values here. Like, what's not to trust, you know? Anyway, and so that worked out this time. <laughs> I will say, I mean, I mean, that's just kind of how I like to move through. And then also furthermore, with this particular like conglomerate of groundwater, I said this before, but I think that like the four of us when we started was the right four 
given our personality types, given mm-hmm. like the ways that we work, and also given to like the the different experiences each of us individually had with like decolonization, especially because of what we're doing is very much outside of the white supremacist Eurocentric way of working, um, that it was very, very well balanced, you know? I don't think it would have worked as well if it was like with any other conglomeration of people or like if we were different on our on the little spectrums of scales of things. Who knows? Anyway, and then, yeah. And so then just, again, just for me immediately, I was like, done, we're in alignment. This is for all the people of color. The white woman's vowed for, I'm just kidding. We love her face. Anyway, it was how I tend to operate. And, you know, sure enough, it was right. Yeah, that reminds me, I resonate with a lot of what you said. I, you know, I was a relatively new member of of Flux, and I, but I had known of Flux for, for many, many years. And I had been kind of like tapping on the door to get kind of gain entry into creative partnership for many, many years. But what, what struck me was like how, how immediately I trusted folks in, in the creative partnership. Some people that I had at first, I was I thought it was like, oh, it's because like I know Karen, I know Heather, I've worked with these people for for many many years. But there were some people that I had never worked with before, and we immediately jumped into a creative collaboration. Um, and I was just so stunned that like they trusted me with like, you know, these decisions, these creed. I mean, it's one thing to trust them with a spreadsheet, but it's another thing to trust them with like writing a thing, right? And so I I've been trying to figure out like what allowed me to like to to have that that kind of tr- I haven't figured it out necessarily but I think it's I think it's I think a big part of it is relational is is knowing that you know there is kind of uh, accountability individually but also collectively so uh, apologies for for my little you know TED talk thank you for coming but I guess that transitions me to my next question so one thing about flux is that we one core value that, that we kind of really kind of rely upon a lot is this is this tension between consent and agency. So like Flux, you know, we always tried more towards like a non-hierarchical collaboration model that prioritizes consent in everything that we do. But that consent is a really a spectrum because oftentimes consent in kind of common parlance can be, is often thought of as a binary. It's like you have my consent or you do not have my consent. But we really view it as a, a spectrum um, from an enthusiastic yes to a, I won't stand in the way of this decision. Um, and that kind of consent process uh, is in a healthy relationship with agency, which we kind of define as collab- collaborators feeling empowered to take risks, to make decisions and to act on them, you know, with the consent of the collective. And so especially, I mean, it sounds similar to what's going on in Groundwater with, with, with Flux. We have like several different projects operating at the same time, and we can't have everyone weigh on every decision equally. Um, so sometimes we'll have um, like project leads or lead facilitators on this, that, or the other thing that have um, a certain amount of um, the, the way that the collective has empowered to make kind of executive level or director of decision. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about like how that emerges at Groundwater. There's a siren in the background right now. Tara, can you take us? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, from the get-go, all four of us had the same amount of decision-making power. And in our operation operating agreement, you know, we were really specific on what are things that we need, you know, 100% consensus on, uh, what are the things in which we need a majority, so on and so forth. 
Anyway, and I think the vast majority of our stuff was full consensus anyway. And even for stuff that we needed a majority decision, you know, I don't think we ever used that. I think it was always fully consensus driven, um, where everything that we that we did, all of us felt, at least in my experience, we were anyway, but all of us felt like a hundred percent in the decision that we were moving forward. And you know, and a lot of times it was like where there was sort of disagreement wasn't about what we were doing, but like sort of how or like the, you know, the order of operations or like, you know, who's going to do this or versus that, so on and so forth, which again, was just stuff we we're just easily able to just like work out. But in regards to like the big decisions, we were always on the same page, you know, and even whenever we were having these conversations with Ronnie and Anna formally leaving Groundwater, you know, for, you know, a variety of of reasons that, you know, we are very excited to do something on, you know, we were very much still in alignment of how that was going to look like anyway. And it was just, again, it was just a matter of, okay, well, how do we do it? What's the timeline in which we do it? What do we need? So on and so forth. And yeah. And then whenever, and that was unique for us because there was four of us who were doing everything. And then once we started bringing in some core collaborators, it was sort of the same thing. Whenever we would, they would bring somebody in on a specific project, they again, we're, we were just five people now, or we were six people now. Anyway, in regards to making decisions moving forward, what's been my experience? And so the thing what I throw in is a siren gun. <laughs> no, I think your point, I would just underscore the thing of, I, I agree with, I don't think we ever had uh, actual disagreement about the what of what we were doing. And anytime there was a sort of need for further conversation or consensus or, or consent or whatnot, it was mostly around the how. And, and that to me feels diff- like different, like a different need <laughs> um, than an, a, a consent process around like, what are we doing or what projects are we taking on? So before we close, I wanted to give an opportunity for Lori, our lead listener, to ask a question that's been percolating for her. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many wonderful things that both of you have shared about your practices and just what it means to be a human being in relationship to other people and what we assume or don't assume about them really touched me. But the question that has been lingering for me is a really basic one, but I'm going to ask it because some of the, you know, profound things in life are quite simple. I, I'm wondering, well, I'm not wondering. My question is, what is Groundwater? Why did you call your organization Groundwater Arts? And, and does Groundwater have anything to teach us about trust and sharing power and all the things that we've been talking about? Like, you know, Tara, at one point you used the word tributaries. And I was like, yeah, like what, like, what, do, what can we already learn from things the thing that has existed before all of us, you know, the thing that supports all of us. Um, that's what's been living for me in hearing this conversation is, 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 is let's talk about groundwater. Laurie, I've been waiting for someone to ask this of us for five years. <laughs> I, it, it, honestly, I was like, this is going to be so basic, but I, I have to ask this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's obviously a metaphor. It's obviously like a poetic representation of who we are and what we're doing and what our values are. Obviously, maybe not obviously, but it was obvious. Sorry. 
Yeah, I think that, and Tara, feel free to jump in and add like your perspective as well, too, because I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts about how the groundwater, like the organizing metaphor has lived within the organization. But I'll, I'll say that for me, it operates on a couple of different levels and it does a couple of different things. Like it, to me, it's about the, the sort of conversation about all of these systems of oppression that we live inside of. So sometimes Ronnie will say like it's in we're we're like fish and we're swimming in the water of racism or we're swimming in the water of, like it's in the water. And so so it like the idea of groundwater gets at like all of these systems are in the water <laughs> that we are like living in both literally and figuratively. Right. Like if you think about systems of oppression, sometimes it can be really hard to understand all the various like tentacles of them but if you think about the groundwater that like you know it, it exists literally under the ground that we're standing on and it like flows in so many different directions and it it's hard to see right like like it's that that metaphor is getting at the work that we are doing around racial justice and decolonization and when i say literally these systems of oppression are in the groundwater i mean that like like the pollution and the oil and the extraction, like which is all tied to colonial capitalism, right? Like it is literally impacting the groundwater that we rely on for life. <laughs> and that yeah. Black and Native peoples have been telling us for like hundreds of years, like that this has been a problem. And, and so the groundwater metaphor is like pointing to that legacy too, that we are sort of standing in in the footsteps of work that has been going on for generations and and like trying to protect the groundwater and and sort of make it healthy again for future generations um what else tara what else i feel like i could go on for ages but i would uh, let you also i want to hear your thoughts too yeah let me all of those things i'm so glad from the end because like i remember that at the very beginning like talking about, oh, the name for this. And I think at least you said the exact same thing. And I was like, I mean, water is life. Say less. I'm a word. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, I also think, you know, with that combined with how do we create radical access points for people to understand this work? You know, I mean, talking about like literally is quite, it's underneath everything that we're, that we're on and it fuels all of the water that we consume. Um, has helped people really think about it. And then also in regards to the work that we do, you know, you know we love the water. We use tributaries. You know, you just see our financial models. They're all named after different water things. <laughs> you know, we love a good metaphor. Anyway, but, you know, help. I think also tributary as an example also helps people um, sort of like connect that all of these things, you know, feed into one another, you know? Well, yeah, we do consulting. It's a huge part of what we do to get people to understand what's happening underneath through education. However, that's not enough. We also need to be able to do community organizing on the ground and partner with frontline organizations, do our parts of giving, you know, the mic to people who've been doing this, you know, as well as like getting actual action going. And then also combined with artistic practice, because something that, you know, we love is how, you know, artists are, like, who better than artists to, you know, restory the future. what we like to say, because, you know, so much of the climate crisis is gloom and doom, you know, so much of all of these justice movements, folks are like, you know, a lot of that is rooted in, in, again, like the, these like, 
you know, words, words, who are they? Anyway, and so with artists, you know, we have a unique ability to tell stories, to tell stories, to shift the narrative, to really bring people in. And again, it's all about creating these medical access points. Like we love, we love medical access points for folks to move forward into the just future that, that serves all of us and to the just future that, again, predominantly Black and Indigenous peoples have already been foretolden, like helping, like trying to get people to push, push the, you know, the hand on the road, so to say. Anyway, and like, yeah, and how all of these different, yeah, tributary is the word, they all feed into the same underlying crises that we're trying to make better for everyone as they go along. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, I love the groundwater metaphor. I love using the tributary metaphor because yeah, I think it helps people connect the dots. And the last thing I'll say is, again, as someone who is indeed autistic and, you know, the metaphors, who are they? I understand. <laughs> I think that's also good. It's, it's like, you know, I understand intimately what that is. And then, yeah, I think it also helps because I think because all of us have been on board about what this means. And that's just been so clear in the work that we do that we're very clear about why we're doing it. And even if folks have not asked why groundwater the name, they've experienced why groundwater in practice. Love, love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much. That yeah, like that the way you've described it, like especially with like the the whole water cycle, it, it it really helps me think about groundwater arts as you know the work that you're doing is you know in the way that 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 water is just recycled on our planet. You know, the, the the things that are coming up out of the ground is both prologue and prophecy, right? It's like how how we treat it will seed what comes before and after. That, I think that brings us to the end of, of this glorious conversation. I want to thank our guests, Tara and Annalisa, and for speaking with us and, and, and sharing with us about how they share power at Groundwater Arts. I wanted to give this opportunity for you to let our listeners know like where they can find out more about your work, how do they can stay tuned about what's coming up next. Where, where can they find you? We have an Instagram account as well as a Twitter account and a Facebook page. So it is at Groundwater Arts. You can find us anywhere, everywhere. It's always Groundwater Arts, one word. Since we are going through this really exciting refounding, thank you, Corinna. We'll have more information posted soon. Currently, for our capacity, we are accepting workshops and like consulting inquiries around like existing workshops that we do offer. And so you can always email us at groundwaterarts at gmail.com, all one word. Anyway, but yeah, but stay tuned for post the next month or two whenever we come together and what the resounding will be but you will know on our socials and lisa anything to throw in we also have a website <laughs> which is just groundwaterarts.com all one word <laughs> and that there should currently be a little pop-up message on it that says we're only doing workshops right now but if you are interested in looking at some of the other kinds of work that we do you can click through and see some of the other stuff that we do. And as Tara said, we'll have more information to come in the next few months about the new formation of the company. I'm so excited about that. And I also I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please give us a like, subscribe, or review on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps us find more people to our content. And thank you again. And we'll talk soon on the next episode of Sharing Power. Sharing Power.